We have with us uh, three people from Jerusalem, Asher and Betty and Trader, and Sarah Singerman. Asher and uh, Betty uh, are apostolic leaders of, let me not mess this up, I have some <laughs> notes and I want to accurately express all of this because, you know, I was talking, talking to Sarah last night and I was saying, no matter what I say about Asher, it's not going to be enough. Uh, Asher was born to a uh, conservative uh, Jewish family in the United States, and uh, he came to faith in Yeshua sometime in the uh, period of 77 and 78 as he was working and traveling in uh, Central America. Prior to that, in the midst of his studies, he studied at Harvard, he studied at the uh, Baltimore Hebrew College and the Messianic Bible College later, but in the midst of his studies, he had done a whole bunch of reading about all kinds of Eastern religions, all kinds of philosophies, and someone challenged him to read the Gospels. He thought there was nothing good in the Gospels, but nonetheless, he took the challenge, and he read the Gospels, and in reading the Gospels, he encountered Jesus. I think it was the book of John, right, Asher? Yeah? Okay. Uh, but currently, Asher is uh, the founder, one of the founders of uh, Tikkun uh, internationals with uh, Dan Juster and Eitan Kish, uh, is it Shishkov? Eitan Shishkov. And he leads apostolically the Revive Israel ministry team. I use the word apostolically because that's really the kind of pioneer that he is. He's uh, taken on different challenges and he also leads the congregations both in Tel Aviv and Jerusalem. I can go on. The list is long. Uh, he's written a number of books. Some of those books have impacted my life personally and some of yours who I've shared the books with. Uh, the one that comes to mind is uh, The Apple of His Eye, The Five Streams, From Iraq to Armageddon, What Does the Bible Really Say About Land, uh, Who Ate Lunch with Abraham. That's a great read, by the way, if you're interested to find out who ate lunch with Abraham when Abraham entertained the three different uh, individuals. He has a couple of very interesting books that really speak into uh, the heart of ministry, especially in the kind of context that we are in with multiple uh, congregations. One is alignment and the other is uh, spiritual authority. Is that correct? Is that the right title? Uh, yeah. And uh, all authority. Sorry? All authority. All authority. All authority. Yeah, all authority. Thank you. Uh, powerful books that deal with relationships, that deal with covenant, that deal with all kinds of stuff. I encourage you to find them on Amazon and enjoy them. Uh, Asher has impacted my life personally over the last number of years. I think we met about seven years ago in preparation for some of the gatherings. And uh, in that period, we've had many different chats. Uh, Betty in her quietness and in her gentleness just ministers as a mother and brings peace to every environment that she's in. And Asher, uh, I was telling Sarah yesterday, he has this amazing way. I know I'm building him up, okay? But nonetheless, honor is due where honor is due. And uh, Asher is a wonderful teacher. Uh, and he has this uncanny ability to put to words some of the values and principles that we hold dear and walk out without really understanding the, the, the details, maybe, or the nuances of how to put them in words. And uh, he's done that over a number of times, and I've been blessed by some of the phrases that I've heard from him. 
and uh, he actually, uh, uh, we're honored to have him with us today. He's going to bring the word. He's going to share communion. Sarah Singerman is Asher's executive assistant or personal assistant. She shadows him and he mentors her. She sits in the flow of whatever comes out. Asher uh, is sort of a spiritual father, not sort of, is a spiritual father to her as he is to so many of us. And uh, I think I'm now gushing, right? So uh, I'm going to pull back a little bit and just say, Asher, we welcome you among us. You're a father to me personally, a spiritual father to me and Silva and to so many others here. We get to enjoy you on the global gatherings online now. And uh, Shole, who will be interpreting for you, has interpreted for you before. And uh, Shole, just wave so Asher can see you. There you are. And uh, she does a great job. So uh, I know you know how to keep your pace. I know uh, in moments you will get excited and it might accelerate. So just feel free. We give you access to our hearts today through the Lord. And we welcome you and we bless you. So Asher, uh, the floor is yours. Thank you, honey. Seems like it'll be all downhill from there. But <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. Anyway, this is my wife, Betty. Say hello. Okay. Hi, everybody. And uh, I uh, pray for a blessed Resurrection Day and uh, that you will get through this uh, fourth lockdown. I think we only had three and we're coming out on the other end. So I pray for his grace and blessings to be upon you. God bless you. And uh, Sarah, why don't you say hello? And if you have anything to say about the resurrection, go feel free to do that. Amen. Yeah, it's so good to be with you guys. Thank you for welcoming us with so much warmth. And um, yeah, I I loved just singing about his resurrection in the worship. So thank you, Aaron. It was really powerful. And um, one thing that really stood out to me was just how we were singing, all fear is gone. And it reminded me of a verse in Hebrews chapter 2, Hebrews 2, 14 and 15, where it says, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. And it's so beautiful how we came out of the Passover. We celebrated last week. And one thing about the Passover is that it's not just a historic thing, but we celebrate it every year and and make it our personal story. Um, it said that as we tell the story, we're supposed to think as if we were in Egypt. We came out of slavery into freedom. And I think Sarah, the resurrection is also... Sarah, oh, sorry. slow down just a little bit. Yeah, sorry. I think maybe there's a delay on my end with the Wi-Fi. Can you guys hear okay now? Okay. Um, yeah, so I think just in the flow of the Passover where we remember we were released from slavery and the writer of Hebrews says here it was fear of death that kept us in bondage. There was fear. And especially in the pandemic, so many um, people are living out of this shadow of fear and panic and where is my life going, insurity, even 
so many questions that are brought up now, but the fear has been broken and it has an end. And hallelujah, we don't have to live in bondage to fear. And I want to take this resurrection day as a personal um, testimony for me where I say, I was resurrected with him on that day. And now I have no more fear of death that's binding me and holding me back. Fear has been broken. It's over. We are living in the, the resurrection and the power of, of the cross and the resurrection. It could have ended on the, at the cross. It continued. And then now we have the resurrection that we're living in that power. So, yes, bless you all. And so precious to celebrate this beautiful day with you. Thank you, guys. Back to you, Asher. Thank you, Sarah. Actually, you can see that we're sort of switching roles and Sarah is mentoring me now. So it's <laughs> all right. Well, we want to say it's very nice to be with you. I don't, um, I don't feel like I'm a guest here. I hope you don't feel that way. I feel like, although I haven't met a lot of you, we feel at home with you. It's very sweet. What a beautiful display of different names you have here. So many different people groups. I'm just looking at them. I see some Koreans. We want to say to our Korean friends on Yaseo and, uh, and uh, just want to th say thank you and we love you. And uh, of course, with many of our Armenian friends that uh, a lot of Armenians and Jews feel they're sort of the same. Anyway, Armenians have a quarter of the city of Jerusalem and uh, we feel very close to you. I also want to say to our Armenian friends, we're kind of sorry what happened in this last war. Believe me, the Israeli people are really with you and love you. Uh, what happened in some of those bombings was a political complications. It wasn't the heart of the people. The heart of the people love Israelis, love Armenians. And I also want to see what a joy to see so many Iranians here. Uh, as we call them, I don't know if you know this, but uh, in Israel, there's many people from Iranian background. We don't actually, we don't call them Iranian. We call them Parsi. And uh, so, and a lot of, a lot of people, we have even people on our team who have Parsi background. And um, I was thinking when you go all the way back to the biblical period, of course, that at the height of the Persian empire, uh, your queen was Jewish. And your prime minister was Jewish. So I figured there was a lot of intermarriage there anyway. So maybe a, a lot of you Parsis are part Jewish anyway. So, uh, and uh, also despite, you know, religion and politics has so confused things. It's not really what the heart of the people are. Again, Israelis really love uh, Persians and feel close to that. If... Um, if if there was ever a way that we could get there, we would. I'm sure we would flood back there to visit the country. You know, the most um, um, popular TV show in Israel last year was a show about about Iran. It was called Tehran. I don't know if you heard about that, but uh, it was a story about some of our secret agents going to Tehran to try to blow up the uh, power uh, the power uh, center, but. 
it, actually, what was funny was that it, the sub the sub uh, plot in the show was that the woman who's the head of the Israeli uh, security she falls in love with the head of the of the of the Persian security and the Persian boy that's helping the other girl blow up the blow up the power plant he falls in love with her so it's really underneath the story was about it was really a story about uh, Israelis and Iranians loving one another that's just a interesting uh, little a little part so uh, anyway but uh, so let's jump into a little Bible study I want to just like all of you just to take a moment and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for rising from the dead for us. It's something beyond what any words could ever say. And you are the most important person in our life, and your death and resurrection is the most important event of our lives. And whatever we have to say about it is just tiny in comparison to who you are and what you've done for us. And we just take this moment to say, thank you, Yeshua. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, let's read a few scriptures anyway. Let's let's jump up to John chapter 20. In John's version of the resurrection testimony. And... uh, here John chapter 20 we'll start in verse 1 and it says this um, I'll start this in Hebrew and translate on the first day of the week uh, early in the morning before dawn Miriam from Migdal came to the tomb and she saw that the Evan, that the stone had been pulled away from the gravesite. Well, you remember what happens here is that Miriam and a few of the women come up to the gravesite, and the stone has been turned, uh, moved away. They look inside and they see that Yeshua is not there. They meet angels who tell them that Yeshua has been raised. They run back and tell to the disciples that Jesus had been raised. The mighty apostles did not believe them. Only the women believed. And then John and Peter ran back to the grave anyway. And uh, they saw, and they halfway believed, believed a little bit and they went back. And then apparently Yeshua then appeared to Miriam. And then she goes back to them again and says, wait a minute, it's not just that the tomb is empty. I saw him, he appeared to me. And then later on that same day, Yeshua appears to all of the disciples. Well, actually, not all of them. Of course, Judas wasn't there. And another one of them, uh, Thomas, was not there. And uh, so let's skip up to that part uh, where they're telling Thomas what happens. Let's jump up to verse 24. Uh, Now, I want you to, by the way, to remember what we just read in verse 1, that it was on the first day of the week, early in the morning. We'll come back to that in just a moment. And verse 24. And Thomas, one of the 12, who was called Didymus, was not with them when Yeshua had come. And now, just by the way, the word Thomas it comes from a Hebrew root called Tiuma, which means twins. 
and Dijimus, D is twice, Dijimus also means twin in Greek. So it's a, it's a double play on his name, for the name twin. And the other disciples said, we have seen the Lord. He said, if I do not see the sign of the nails in his hands, I do not put my finger in the place where the nails were uh, on, and put my hands in his side, I will not believe. Well, he said the wrong thing, huh? Verse 26. And after eight days, uh, the disciples were again in the house, and this time Thomas was with them. And when the doors were closed, Yeshua stood in the midst of them and said, Peace be unto you. Verse 27. Uh, and then he said to Thomas, uh, bring her in and place your finger here and see my hands and place your hands on my, uh, uh, and place your hands in the place on my side and do not be faithless, but believing. And then Thomas said, eh, my Lord and my God, Curios and Theos. Well, anyway, we have this beautiful point here where Yeshua appears to his disciples. And what happens here is he eats with them and he has them touch him. Now, this is very important because people then didn't know if the resurrection would be just spiritual or physical. And what he was doing by eating with them and having them touch him, he was proving to them that the resurrection was physical. Now, this is very important. Let me give you an example. One of the most popular ultra-Orthodox Jewish groups in Israel believe in a Messiah, a different Messiah, not Jesus, not Yeshua. His name is called Menachem Schneerson. And they and some of them believe that he is God and he has been raised from the dead. You say, well, have you seen him? They say, no, don't you feel him? He's been he's risen. Don't you feel him? Well, wait a minute. Nobody's ever seen him. His body is still in the grave in New York, in Brooklyn. And uh, it's ridiculous. They're they're crazy. Now, Now, the difference here is we want to understand this, that the, the Bible story is based on eyewitness and written testimony. I want you to think about that again. Eyewitness and written testimony. The New Testament is the eyewitness and written testimony of the people who saw him and touched him and ate with him. And it says that Yeshua appeared to people over 40 days appeared to thousands of people who saw him. So this is not only our faith, it is a historical proven fact that Yeshua has been raised from the dead. How do you know? Well, if you were in a courtroom and you were a jury member, you would have to decide whether something is true. How do you decide? Eyewitness, written testimony. 
That's how you decide. That's what we base our faith on. Now, of course, we also can feel it. We know it intuitively on the inside. But there is both the intuitive knowing on the inside and also the external objective facts that he has been risen from the dead. Now, also, it's proven that he is physically risen from the dead, not just spiritually. Because a lot of people can say in New Age, in Hinduism, in Buddhism, in ultra-Orthodox Judaism, that, well, we believe in a resurrection. You can believe in... uh, Gilgul uh, Nishamot, it's um, reincarnation. You can believe in, no, no. We believe in a specific physical resurrection where people can see you and feel you and touch you and you can eat and you can walk and then you can walk through the wall. So we have, if you, if you die and leave this body, if you're a believer, you'll go to heaven. You will be in a spiritual body. So and you, but you can't come back here. You have to stay in heaven. If you're in this body, you can't go up to heaven. You have to stay here. But in the resurrection, you'll have a body that's both physical and spiritual. You can do everything on this earth, and go up into heaven. You can go. You can do both. Hallelujah! That's what we're going to have in the resurrection. Both all the good things spiritual in heaven and all the good things here on earth. It's both. Glory to God. And Yeshua has been raised from the dead. And this is what we believe. Our faith is based on the fact that Yeshua has been raised from the dead. I want to stop for a moment and go and tell you, uh, honey told you a little bit about that. But my wife and I are both Jewish. Sarah and Betty and I, we're all Jewish. We're Israelis. And we love you. We're part of the same spiritual family. But my wife... And I both grew up in Jewish homes. And we came to the Lord back in the 1970s, which was very early. And um, I remember I grew up in synagogue. uh, And I did very well in school. And I was accepted to Harvard College. And I went to Harvard. And uh, there I was at the age of 18. And I thought, well... I've already succeeded in everything in life. I mean, I was there with the elite of America at, the, at Harvard College. I thought, well, I'm going to be a success, have a lot of money, everything. What, you know, it's, it, it, I'm, I'm in the elite of the United States. But then something didn't make sense to me. I said, what if I'm a success? What if I have a money, success, family, and then... I'm going to die. That doesn't make any sense. What different? It's all stupid. It doesn't make any sense to me. And I said, it seemed to me like I'm riding on a train and there's different cars in the train, different tickets, more expensive seats. I said, well, I'm sitting in the, car, in the train seat, the most expensive seat, the luxury seat. And there's medium seats and economy seats. And then there's people that have to sit on the floor of the train. But if you look up further on the track, in a few miles, the whole train is going to fall off a cliff and everyone's going to die. So what difference does it make where you're sitting on the train? I, I, don't, I don't understand why I'm here. And I began to um, be 
obsessed with these questions. And I began to study philosophy and psychology and ancient literatures. And, you know, as you can imagine back then, looked in a lot of the wrong places, had to figure out that God does not in the area of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. But anyway, uh, finally, I did graduate from Harvard with an honors degree in ancient literature and knew nothing about life. I was obsessed with this question. Well, why? Why am I alive? What this doesn't make any sense to me. And then when I came to know Yeshua, Everything was changed. And what I want to say to you is this. If Jesus is not who he is, and if he was not raised from the dead, then life has all has no meaning. Because one thing we do know is that everyone is going to die. And it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter if you're Jew or Arab. It doesn't matter if you're black or white. It doesn't matter if you're religious, you're going to die. And if Jesus has not been raised from the dead, then there is no hope for anyone. And there is no other choice because no one is even a candidate. I mean, other than these, I don't want to say they're crazy, but but the, some of these religious Jews that believe in Schneerson, it's just, it doesn't make any sense. Even the other Jews will tell them that. But there is no other candidate. There is no one with any kind of verifiable witness that somebody has been raised in the dead. There's no other even possibility. It's either Jesus or it's nothing. He is the only hope for any person. And if he was not raised from the dead, then life is totally meaningless and there is no hope for anyone. But since he has been raised from the dead, on this day, hallelujah, there is hope and meaning and purpose and life and power and energy and future for everyone. Hallelujah. What a wonderful joy. I was also realizing that, you know, the, the people who were witnesses of Jesus' resurrection, they were not the head rabbis from Jerusalem. They were simple people, fishermen, farmers, tax collectors even. But they were not the religious leaders. Now, this is important because if they were religious leaders, they could be like this other religious cult in Jerusalem of saying, well, we believe. Well, they just believe because they're religious. It's they're, 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 they're trying to make themselves believe. The people that were witnesses of the resurrection, they were not religious fanatics. They were just simple people who said, we don't understand, man. We saw him. He died. We saw he's dead. Now he's alive. We, we can't even explain it. Now, afterwards, you had somebody like the Apostle Paul who spread it to all the world, who was an educated rabbi, but he was not one of the 12 witnesses of the resurrection. All those people were people who did not have a religious investment, a self-deception of trying to believe that Jesus would be raised. That's not who they were. So we, we have this faith in Yeshua that he, that he has been raised from the dead. And it's a wonderful thing. Now, I also want to say that this event of Jesus being raised from the dead, 
was not something that happened as a secondary thought. It wasn't spontaneous. It's like, it's not as if God didn't know that people were going to sin and die and said, what are we going to do? Oh no, they've killed Jesus. What am I going to do? I'll have to raise him from the dead. No, 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 no. That's not what happened. This was pre-planned by God from before the creation. Before the creation. The Bible says this, that this plan, and there's three Greek words here. One is pro-orizo, one is prothesis, and one is prognosco. And that, if you can hear those words a little bit in English, Orizo is like horizon. It was pre, pre-outlined. It was pre-thesis, like, a the, like you have a plan. It was pre-planned. And it was pre-ginosco, like a, like a prognosis. It was pre-described by God. All that happened with the death and resurrection of Jesus was pre-planned before the creation started. God knew that people would sin. God knew that we would die. He knew that... that he would have to show unconditional love and have the Messiah die for us and be raised up. That was all planned in before the creation. Are you with me? Am I going too fast? Is that okay? Now, since it was planned, Shole, are you all right? Now, since it was before the creation, it was obviously in the creation. Take a moment to look that everything in creation has death and resurrection. Every plant dies and comes back to life. The sun goes down every day and comes up again. The moon goes, dies every month and comes back. Everything in creation dies and reborn. That w- this was the pattern of God of the universe before creation and during creation. Now, here's another thing. It's amazing that this was part of Jewish history before the time of the Gospels and the Resurrection. It was already there. So what happened was, it happened on the Passover. Now in Israel, we don't have much of a spring or an autumn. It's like it's all winter and all summer. We have like a two-week time of spring and a two-week time of autumn. We're right in that little two-week springtime right now. It's right in this time. The flowers come out. It's a beautiful time, and it was right at this time that Yeshua was raised from the dead. But it was also this time of the Passover. Now watch this. You remember that Jesus died on the Passover. The Passover lamb was a symbol. It's not a lamb that saves us. That's a symbol of someone. It's a symbol of Yeshua. He died on the Passover. On that night. On that night, the Israelites and the mixed multitude, including Egyptians, left the place where that was. It was a place called Ramses. They walked out one day and they camped the first night at a place called Sukkot. They walked the next night and they camped the second night at a place called Itam. 
This is all in the Bible, of course. They walked the third day and they plant, they camped at a place called Picherot. And that's where the that was where the opening of the Red Sea took place on that third night. It's interesting that in Hebrew Picharot means the doorway of freedom. Amazing that they were stuck on the river. On the now, they were not there. This was not by Moses and the people of Israel. No, 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 no. Moses is not the hero of this story. There was another person there. Jesus was there. He was the angel of Jehovah. Cloud. He was in the pillar of fire. He was the one that opened up the opened up the sea, not Moses. So you had Moses, the people of Israel, and the pillar of fire with the angel of Jehovah inside of it, who was Jesus. Now, this is the third night. In the middle of the third night, toward the morning, the people go down. Of course, it's dry now. They go down into the riverbed. They go down. Look at this, like you're going down into a tomb. And at the first light of the morning, they come up the other side. They come up the other side and the angel of the Lord walks with them and walks up out of the riverbed on the morning, the third morning after the Passover. Do you get this? The, what, the moment of the Israelites coming out of the, out of the waters of the Red Sea, the waters collapsing, the killing of Pharaoh's armies and the victory of this was the exact day, the exact hour of the resurrection. Amazing that this was all planned. And when they danced on the other side of the, the, the Reed Sea, they got out to the other side and they sang the song and they said, God has become my salvation. And they're singing the name of of Jesus in Hebrew, Yehovah Yoshia. They're singing on the other side of the, all this was planned by God. It's an amazing planned out um, drama. It's a pre-written drama by God. And then when Yeshua comes, then he, he, he dies on the Passover. And on the third day, he's raised up at the exact same time. What a miracle. You see, there is no difference between Passover and Easter. It is the same thing. There is a holiday called Pesach, Passover. Yeshua was crucified as the lamb. There is another holiday, the first fruits, the first Sunday after the Passover. Yeshua was raised from the dead. And then the Holy Spirit is poured out on Pentecost. It's all pre-designed. And I want to tell you all, these are not, these are only, secondarily Jewish feasts. These are feasts of Jehovah. These are appointed times to show you and me. It doesn't matter who we are. We can be Canadians, Jews, Israelites, Iranians, Koreans, Armenians. It doesn't matter. This is God who pre-planned this. And we are all one family of faith. And I only say this to encourage you to understand what happened there was planned before the creation, in creation, and in the history of the Jewish people coming up to the time when we come to the Gospels. It's a beautiful, uh, just a beautiful story. Now, I want to share one more thing with you. And if we can, let's just uh, 
Let's read one more section of scripture. Let's go up to Revelation 1. So now we learn something. Now, in chapter 1 of Revelation, verse 12, it speaks that John has. Now, here it's interesting because he doesn't see Jesus as we know him in the Gospels. He sees Jesus as Moses saw him, as, as the angel of Jehovah. He sees him as the, as the man of fire in the midst of the pillar of fire. He sees Yeshua the way he was before his human time. In other words, Yeshua was in heaven. He was the f- man of fire of the angel of the Lord. He gave that up, came down, and lived in a non-glorified human body. He was crucified, died, descended into hell, came back to life, went up into heaven, and now he's returned to this glorified form. And that's how John sees him. Hallelujah. And so he sees him with his eyes on fire. I won't read the whole passage just to attend, but let's go up to verse, let's let's start at the very end. Um, Oh, it's so beautiful. I don't know where where not to start. Um, let's pick it up in verse 14. And his, I mean, chapter 1, verse 14 of Revelation. His head and his hair were white uh, like wool and, his, and white like snow, and his eyes were flames of fire. And his uh, legs were like bronzed, um, um, Brazen bronze that were uh, fur- furnished in a f- in a cure in a furnace. Rabim, and his voice was as great waters. Shiva Kochavim in his right hand he had seven stars. And out of his mouth comes a two-edged sharp sword, and his Faith, face is shining like the sun in all of its power. So we see there that Yeshua's face is shining like the sun. And then it says that he said, I fell dead at his feet. And Yeshua says to him, Al-tira, ani arishon v'acharon v'achai. Ha'iti met v'hinei chai ani le'olmei olamim v'li maftachot she'olam ha'mavet. He says, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last and I am alive. I was dead, but now I'm alive forevermore and I have the keys of hell and of death. Now, what is John teaching us here or Yeshua is telling to John? He said, look, I didn't just die and came to life. There was a lot that happened in those three days. At that time, Yeshua descended into hell and he destroyed the forces of hell and of Satan and of death and of the grave. And when Yeshua came up, he had all authority, both in heaven and earth and under the earth. So he already had authority in heaven as the son of God. When he came to earth, and he lived as the son of David and lived a sinless life. He had, he had power on this earth. But then he descended into hell and he broke the powers of hell and the grave. And he came up and now he has all the power, not only in heaven and on earth, but even under the earth. A tremendous victory. All 
power is in Yeshua's hands. When he went into that grave, he dis- he tricked the devil and the forces of hell. He went in there and destroyed the powers of hell. And he came up. And in his name, he gives us these keys. These keys are all in his name. And we have authority today to pray into heaven, to bind and loose things here on earth, and even authority over the forces of hell. And it's Yeshua who decides now who will go to hell and who will not, who will live and who will not. And so we turn to him and, and, and submit to him. Because all power and life uh, is in his hands. Well, we're here today just to say thank you to the Lord. And I want to encourage any of, any of you here that may be listening right now or may hear this afterwards, there is no reason not to give your life to Yeshua. Without him and without his resurrection, there's nothing. There's nothing. Whatever the world has, I can tell you I, my heart is breaking. Our heart is breaking for our own people. Here in Israel, we the Jewish people that believe in Jesus were less than less than one half of 1%. And we see our people, they're, they're so strong, they're intense, they're intelligent, they they're, do everything, but they're lost. They're so lost. They don't know what's going on. They're lost in sin. They're lost in everything and, and politics and religion. And it's, just, it's a mess. And they need to know the Lord. It doesn't matter who you are and how strong you think you are. I see our, our rabbis here in Israel who, who dedicate themselves to God 20 hours a day since they're babies and all, that's all they do. But they're lost. They don't have any life because not religion and not intelligence and not military power and not political power and not physical power and not, not any kind of stuff, nothing. You can't raise yourself from the dead. It is only through Yeshua. And whoever you are, don't worry about You've done something wrong. Believe me, you didn't do so many things wrong as I did wrong. But whatever you have, I just want to tell you that God loves you. And this is the day of resurrection. This is the day of life. This is the day of hope. And whoever you are, don't miss this. Get a hold of it. The world is full of a lot of distractions to make you think about a lot of other things. But nothing is as important as this one thing. Yeshua died to give you and me forgiveness of sins. And he rose from the dead to give us eternal life. If you have this, you have everything. If you have nothing else in the world and you have this, you have everything for eternity. If you have everything in the world, but you don't have this, you're going to die and end up with nothing. So I pray for you today, whether you're Canadian, Armenian, Iranian, Korean, Jewish, Israeli, whoever you are, rich or poor, this is the most important thing. This is the best thing 
that can ever happen to you. Can we take a moment just to pray to all of us, whoever you are, to dedicate our lives to this? You know, I just want to tell you one thing as we pray, as you might be thinking, maybe you're one of the pastors here. You know, I woke up this morning and I was thinking I've been serving the Lord. You know what I'm saying? More than full time. I served the Lord double time for over 40 years. It's my whole life. And I, all, all I do is work and I serve the Lord. And I got up this morning and I was thinking that, my goodness, have, have I lost the simplicity that it, all this is about is that Jesus rose from the dead? This is what it's all about. Forget, forget ministry. I'm not saying forget. I mean, we want to serve the Lord. But it's got to be as fresh as a springtime flower. I went out today walking around the neighborhood just taking pictures of little flowers because I wanted just to remember. It's not about ministry. It's about Jesus. It's about his life. It's so simple. Thank you, Lord. Will you all just pray with me for a moment? Father, we thank you. Yeshua, Jesus, we thank you. That you gave your life for us. That your sacrificial life, love, is what changes us from sin to righteousness. And your resurrection from death unto life is what changes us from death to life, from defeat to victory. Yeshua, we see you standing in front of all of us today and just holding those keys and saying, I've got all the victory. It's all here. Hallelujah. We thank you telling us like Thomas, come on, touch me. It's real. It's real. It's real, Lord. Hallelujah. It's more real than the food we eat. It's more real than the body we could touch. Thank you, Lord. This is what it's all about on this beautiful day. The first day of the counting of the Omer. The resurrection day. The first fruits of Yeshua coming to life. Lord, we dedicate our lives to you. We submit ourselves to you. We give you all of who we are. We put away every distraction, every discouragement, every worry, every doubt. Hallelujah. And we just return to the simplicity. Yeshua, you died for us. You rose from the dead. And you are our curious and theos. You are Lord and God in our lives. Thank you, Father. In Yeshua's name. Amen.